Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to another episode of The Creative Exchange. It is me, Sarah Dietschy, Rhymes with Peachy. Today is a very special episode because we have Neelai Patel with us, the editor-in-chief of The Verge. Thank you for hanging out. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's like such an honor. And you were just telling me that you had a chance to interview Bill Gates at one point? Actually, Bill Gates was the uh, editor of The Verge for a month. We we made him the honorary editor of The Verge for a month. Yeah, so every year he... um, you know, he and his wife Linda have a foundation. And they do very um, good philanthropic work mm-hmm. out in the world. And he puts out a letter every year about the future, verges about the future. So we we're talking to his people and ideas back and forth. And I was like, "Why don't we just make him our like editor for the month?" And so he, we went out to Seattle. This is actually a wild story. Um, we taped a bunch of B-roll outside his office, um, and then we like put this video together. And then we got this like call. It's like you have to. You have to you can't like show this lake. They'll figure out where oh, Bill Gates' oh office is. Oh my gosh! Um, so it was his private office. Yeah, like, it was wild. Wow. Um, and he's obviously brilliant. Um, and so yeah, we I had this very long interview with him where we talked about the future, and then we took all of that. So he didn't actually edit the site, right? It's like a very honorific title. Right. He spent all this time with us, telling us what he thought was important mm-hmm. and the things that he was investing in. And then we went back and assigned a bunch of stories, like big features about those with his videos as sort of the guide of the stories. It's a really fun, really fun experience. And he's obviously That is so brilliant. cool. Although it's funny, like in the current context of like crazy billionaires doing things, like mm-hmm. Bill Gates is out there being like, I'm gonna cure malaria by shooting lasers at mosquitoes. And it's like, oh, this is actually pretty familiar. It's just yeah. it's like it was like a it's a different context and he's a different kind of personality. Wow. But his ideas are on that he's same order. He's not necessarily tweeting every day. Yeah. Ten like, tweets a day. Yeah, like if Elon would stop tweeting and just like mm-hmm. show the products, maybe it would be different. Exactly. But don't you think that's the reason why every time they drop a new car, I mean, they have all of those orders just because it's Elon Musk, because he's so tightly tied to Tesla, you know? Like, yeah. do you think him tweeting, doing all the social media stuff, do you think that would hinder sales? Uh, so I was talking about it literally right before we started taping the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elon put out a letter saying, I'm going to take Tesla private. It's been like the story of the day. Um, I'll be honest, there is a Slack room inside The Verge that is just about Elon Musk. Uh, and it's because what do we cover? We cover technology, we cover science, we cover uh, transportation, we cover the culture. He, he is he cuts across all of those things. Uh, like one of my favorite arguments of the Verge is whether SpaceX is a transportation story or a science story, because uh, it's hard to know, right? Mm-hmm. What he wants he wants to take people to Mars. Um, so we have this big cross disciplinary room um, that was just like waiting for this announcement. And so I think that stuff is really interesting. It obviously drives our attention, hopefully people pay attention to our work and they mm-hmm. pay attention to Elon. Um, so I think that's good. And you know, I was talking to that room, uh, or some of the reporters in that room, a while ago, and I just I said the same thing as you, which is, I cannot think of another product in the world that has infinite demand. Hmm. And the Tesla Model 3 right now has infinite demand. Like Every single one of the cars that he makes, he will sell. And like there's there will be there's a cap somewhere. Mm-hmm. I like, guess it's a good problem to have, right? Um, it's a good problem to have, but it also, I think it speaks to, I think it gives Elon like a false sense of security in a right. way that he can act in almost any way that he wants. Right. And he doesn't. I think he has a greater responsibility to model the behavior that all the people who are inspired by him um, should see. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, maybe hopefully he's learning. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If he well, is. we'll see, right? Yeah. So bring me back to the beginning days of The Verge. So this is a question I personally had. Did you start The Verge or was it you and a couple friends or how did it all begin? 
Yeah, so it's a lot of us actually. Um, so I was the managing editor of a website called Engadget, which is still there. You can mm-hmm. go read it. Um, and we came up during a what sounds insane. Like w- I started Engadget in like 2007, maybe. Um, there was like not Twitter. There was not Instagram. I don't want to even <laughs> think of that world. Um, yeah, it was it was a very different time. Uh, Facebook was just a non-election interfering glimmer and mm-hmm. a bunch of eyes. Um, and the way that people got attention, the way that they did things was like blogs on the internet. So we ran a really popular tech blog. We had a great competitor in Gizmodo, which is really funny because the one of my my personal rival at Gizmodo, Matt Buchanan, is now like the executive editor of Eater, which is like he sits 20 wow. feet away from me. Um, I have so many opinions about Gizmodo, but I won't say that. I assure you I had more in 2007. But anyway, mm-hmm. we were we were in this moment where there were these two great tech sites. Um, Wired wrote a profile of the tech sites. It was like crazy stuff. Um, I don't think any of this would ever happen again. Um, but in particular, we were owned by AOL. Um, AOL, I don't think, was a good steward of us for a huge number of reasons. This is all like the distant past. So I don't want to talk mm-hmm. too much trash. Um, but we were just frustrated with, we had big ambitions, mm-hmm. and those ambitions looked like The Verge. And it didn't seem like AOL was going to invest in those ambitions. Our CEO, Jim Bankoff, um, used to work at AOL. He'd left. Our president was Marty Moe. The president of this company was our boss at AOL. He was talking to Jim. Um, and they were literally store. We all quit one by one because we wanted to like keep it secret. So there were like stories every week, like another person leaves in gadget, and then there was there was like a business insider. I'm sure people caught on, right? As you <laughs> guys of. trickled out, <laughs> uh, sort of. But we 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 kept it very quiet. It was just a very strange. I don't think this would ever happen again. Yeah. Um, like it was just a different time in the media. What the year tech. was this? Um, we were we all started to leave in like early 2011, okay. um, and we launched The Virgin on November 1, 2011. And like, we launched. Uh, and like Business Insider wrote a piece. The headline was "The Raid on AOL." I mean, it was like that. Uh, it was just a sounds cr- it like was, a Gizmodo title. It was a crazy. No, it's just <laughs> they're, they're 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 the same but different. Um, anyway, it was. Just, I don't think any of that would. No one would. Bat one eye if like twelve tech writers yeah. left one blog for another now. Like, right, who, but right. it was that time, um, and the reason we left uh, our editor in chief at the time, Josh Topolsky, and me, and uh, um, Thomas Ricker, who's still here, and Vlad, um, Joanna Stern, who's now at the Wall Street Journal, just a bunch of us, um, and then we hired Dieter from Smartphone Expert, so he's one of our founders too. He's our executive editor. Um, we just had the idea that. Like what we had been covering, what we had been doing was the smartphone revolution. And so all of us were extreme smartphone nerds, like mm-hmm. maybe too much. Um, but they, in Gadget for a while, didn't even cover smartphones on its homepage. Wow. We shunted them off to another site called Engadget Mobile. Because uh, there were like too many of them, they're boring, no one cares about them. And then sort of we like stumbled into the smartphone era and it exploded and took over everything. And we were all just really clear that the future of tech media was not more smartphone coverage necessarily, but all of the things that smartphones were going to do to people. And we needed a big site that talked about the culture so that um, when you know the world of Instagram influencers is created, which we, we didn't quite see coming, but we, we knew it was going to be on that sort of level, mm-hmm. um, that we had the cultural capacity and the cultural expertise to talk about that stuff too. So a really... So like, we're here. We're like in this room, right? Mm-hmm. Like, 
why are we in this room? Because someone like you, who is excellent and smart and good, uh, doesn't need like permission to like begin your business. Mm-hmm. Like you have access to distribution. You have these cameras here, which have, I mean, they're expensive, but they have like cheap image sensors in them. Yeah. Like in the sense that you don't need a full on rig. Yeah. Where like it, yeah, I don't need to carry that around New York. Right. Um, <laughs> But like, you know, before, if you were a young filmmaker, you'd be like renting a film camera mm-hmm. and like, and, the, and you're going to take this, and you have like yeah. digital distribution that enables you. That stuff is incredible. It's empowering. It's democratizing. I think we're seeing now that it has a pretty distinct downside. Um, like there's a, there's a dark lining on that, cl- on that cloud, but that's what we wanted. We always wanted the verge to be there. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, we've, we've expanded in different ways. We've shrunk it in different ways. Um, but now I think I'm very confident that, you know, we cover the phones. We're reasonably good at that. Mm-hmm. I think some people still are mad at us because Windows Phone is dead and like we killed it. Um, <laughs> uh, talk about the, that why. Why why did you kill the Windows Phone? <laughs> um, Tell me about that. Uh, yeah, no. It was, aren't you like, sad that it's gone? Um, it had so many good ideas and now it lives on in every other yeah. product. Um, uh, yeah. I, mean, I think we were, we have always been really strident in our opinions mm-hmm. in a way that um, I think it's good. Yeah. Like we're, I have a good friend who works on the business side of a huge company, um, and he's like, you guys are fun to read. Yeah. He's like, this is well, one of my friends. Yeah. But he's like, the thing that I think the industry has a problem with is you are relentlessly consumer-focused. Hmm. So, you know, if a product comes out and it's not very good, we're like, don't spend your money. Like, this is bad. Yeah. And I think a lot of tech- There's no fear to criticize. Yeah, but I think the you line I always use is like, we sell hope. Like, yeah. you, you do too. Like, the pho- every year the phones get thinner, the screens mm-hmm. get bigger, the specs get faster. Like, it just relentlessly gets better. And so, when yeah. you're in that world of hope, um, there's a lot of, I think, eagerness from tech fans. I, I feel it too, to be like, well, that criticism doesn't matter because the next one will be better. Right. And the next one will be better. It's never ending. Right. Um, but something that you guys do a really good job with is you do leverage specific personalities within the company to really like own this video, own this podcast or this show. And a lot of personalities shine through. And I think that's why, for me personally, I obviously fall more on your videos because I'm mm-hmm. always on YouTube. Um, but it's really fun for me to watch these videos and see familiar faces. And, oh, that guy's funny. Yeah, like I wonder what he's going to do next or something. So that's, I don't know, companies who really kind of give certain employees ownership and like, yes, be on camera, do this. And it's it's fun. It's cool to see. So I mean, that's that's why I appreciate. Well, before we started, before we started taping, you were like, I want to talk about like YouTubers versus mm-hmm. media. Um, I personally think that is. I mean, the version is only seven years old, mm-hmm. right? So like, I don't even. I don't. We're not even like the big kids yet, right? Yeah. We're we're big, and I'm very proud of how big we are. Um, but we were the upstarts. Mm-hmm. Like I very keenly remember, like the big tech media being mad at my blog, Hmm. right? Like it's a very real memory that I have. Um, And I think that what you're describing is us knowing that like, we don't want to get static. We don't want to sit still that YouTube is an amazing platform to reach an audience Hmm. that the kind of journalism that we want to do actually matches right up with that audience because it's about the experiences that we have and the culture that we build, and that's like what YouTube is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're gonna put our people there, like as people, as personalities, yeah. as real people you can get a hold of, and connect to. Yeah, they're consumers too. Um, and I think that's honestly like the future of the media is like trust is in, in short supply. 
So if you can be consistent, if you can be true, um, you're going to build trust with an audience as a person, and hopefully you can connect that trust to like a big brand like The Verge, and you find more people at that brand that you trust in the same way, and that's how we'll grow. I don't think we're going to grow by like SEO games or like whatever. Like we don't even do that stuff. Behind the scenes of The Verge and the content creation, I honestly I hate saying the word content or content creation, <laughs> but what else are you going to call it? Where does the idea start? Is it oh this would make a great article, a great piece, let's go, you know, interview these people, make a really good written piece about it, and then, oh, how does this stem out into a video or maybe a podcast? Or is everything just different? Or how do you ideate things? And like, do you have meetings where 10 people will write down ideas? And you're like, okay, how can I exit? Like, I'm curious. A team of... <laughs> how? How? Because, um, you know, it's me and maybe two other people with yeah. the stuff I'm doing. Uh, YouTubers, maybe big tech YouTubers, Marquez. Like, he still, I think, only has two people mm-hmm. who helps him out. Um, and that's a very, I guess, just clean order of operation. But when you get to the scale, how how do you funnel ideas through and really execute? Um, like I said, I wish I knew. Um, <laughs> no, we're always trying to fix it. I mean, that's honestly the answer. Um so we have 77 people around the world. Wow. Um, so we have people in Japan. We have people in Europe. Um, we have like one person in Canada. That counts as international. Hey. Nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Had a lot of Canadians on this podcast. Um, but so like, we're really big. We're really distributed. Not even all of our editors are in the same place. Our science editors in San Francisco, our culture editors in Portland. Um, and so we have to spend a lot of time talking about, like, how do we, how do we not crush ideas? Mm-hmm. Right? And how do we... the my like Zen ideal of what the Verge's culture like is like a surprisingly productive Montessori, hmm. right? Where like everyone, all the kids are just like running around doing stuff, and like <laughs> it's great. Um, you can't actually run that culture at scale. You can you can make it feel like that, um, but some days like we run a newsroom, and some days the news is like AT and T is going to buy Time Warner. Like that's what we have to do today. Like mm-hmm. there's not another choice <laughs> when you run a newsroom. So I think part of it is. We are very open across our teams. I don't want our teams to be siloed, so I want people to run around and crash into each other and mm-hmm. um, have ideas across our teams. Like nothing makes me happier than a tech reporter writing a piece of culture news or a culture reporter reviewing a gadget. Like mm-hmm. that's it's so surprising when it, not that it's happening, but the ideas that come out of it are so much more surprising than sort of the regular people in those zones. And then your question about formats is like we have a big video team. Um, and I think our video team is is differently situated than most every other video team that I know, even inside of this company and the industry, in that it is part of our editorial team. Um, it's not like a video team doing its own stuff over there right. with its own talent and its own ideas. It's cool. directly integrated into mm-hmm. our editorial. That causes problems mm-hmm. um, because I think sometimes they would like to just be their own team. Right, There's a reason right. that so many people end up in that, in that mode, but I'm pretty forceful about uh, keeping it integrated because... It means when there's an idea like, hey, we should go, I'm not going to like scoop my own team, but like, <laughs> hey, we should go to this crazy place and see this crazy person. Or um, the culture team has an idea for doing what's in your bag with um, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, who is who is in Get Out and is in the new movie, Thank You for Calling. Mm-hmm. Um, like that stuff means that we can quickly lace in photographers, we can quick, mm-hmm. quickly lace in video that our Instagram stories producer can like so be all kind there. of feed into each right. other. Right. So there's a lot of there's a lot of energy that it takes to coordinate that and mm-hmm. like we have to talk about it a lot. And I think the only thing sometimes I think that I make is meetings, 
which is like personally kills me. But um, when you get to, I guess, a certain level, though, you have to. You have to manage time, manage people. And did you, I mean, because you started behind a keyboard and writing, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's at the heart. Do you think you're more of a creative person than a maybe a manager or, you know, that editor-in-chief? Do you miss it? Are you stoked to kind of move on from that? Or uh, Have you talked to a lot of editors on the show? I haven't. Like managers? Haven't. A- ask everybody that question. Okay. Um, and then <laughs> ask every person you know who's like a solo creator if they want to mm-hmm. like be a manager. Uh, and you'll find that everyone would prefer to be a creative. Right. Um, and the people who are managers, the best managers are only really doing it because they think someone else would be terrible at it. Interesting. And that means they know that fundamentally their job is to like be in the way, mm-hmm. right? And they're going to be in the way in like the most constructive, the most helpful, mm-hmm. um, the most like focusing. Whereas the managers are like just want power. <laughs> like you, right. you don't want that in your life. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, I I think I firmly think that my the best things I contribute to the Verge are not me being in the way. The best mm-hmm. things I contribute to the version are things that I, I get to make with our team, and that is the most one that I have here. Yeah. What is the funnest video you've ever filmed? Uh, I'm going to say my personal one. Yeah. It might be the same. When the, I think it was the iPhone 10 video with mm-hmm. the facial rec- recognition, when yeah. you guys set up the whole, where you see like the dots on your face or whatever, really seeing how face ID worked, that was really cool. That was really fun. That was I such a that. that idea came out of so, so nowhere. Really? I um, mean, how long did it take you guys to execute that? I mean, I wouldn't even think five I don't minutes. Know. Really? Um, well, yeah, uh, I'm old, right? <laughs> so, like, so I'm, I, I'm very used to um, cameras that don't have IR filters on them. Right. Like a, so we, the hardest part was finding a cheap like camcorder to do that. With. Didn't have the IR filter on the front of it because al- almost all new cameras have it. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they told us it was IR, I was like, I bet we could see this. Mm. And like everyone's first instinct was like, I found a link to like a $45,000 heat sensing IR camera. I was like, not. Let's get two. <laughs> yeah. I was like, nah, dude, you need like a handy cam. Yeah. Like, um, so we found one of those. We actually had one in a closet here. Um, and then it like just worked. And so many people thought that we had done um, like insane CGI or that we had faked it. And I was like, honestly, you can go to Best Buy right now and spend $100 and on the camcorder that will do this. That's so um, And it was, well, the coolest part about that was that we, you know, they bought Prime, Apple had bought PrimeSense, which made that, and it's the same pattern as the Kinect. Mm-hmm. And so, like, Apple's never gonna reveal this to anybody. But we were able to, like, do this, like, weird kind of reporting where we could just, like, see it for ourselves. Wow. Um, that That's is so not cool. actually the most fun video. <laughs> <laughs> what, yeah, your personal favorite. Because um, I'm sure you have done many things. Uh, gone many places. Yeah, so I have two. They're both from like a previous iteration of The Verge. I would, I would say. Um, so one, we used to we used to have a late night show called On the Verge. Josh Tapolsky hosted wow. it, um, and so we would like make segments for it. So I made one segment. This is so ridiculous. Did you guys have like a live audience and everything? Yeah, we did it at the Time Center. It was like hundreds of people there. It's wild. Um, it was really fun. Made no money. <laughs> so <laughs> but it was fun. Stop doing it. It was really fun. It was way before it's time. I mean, this is before like video platforms, the way we think about it work. Yeah. Um, our CEO was like, can you believe we did that? I'm like, we should do it again. He's like, I don't, I don't know, man. Uh, nah. um, uh, anyway, uh, so I made one segment for them where I, um, I went to the release event for a, a military boat that turns into a car. 
Uh, and it was like this very serious, it was in DC, it was like four Pentagon officials, and it was like me like wearing a leather jacket and a life vest, being like, so it's a boat that turns into a car. And the guy, like, <laughs> they just had to deal with it. And that video was incredibly fun to make, and it's still incredibly funny. Wow. Um, and then another segment I made for that show, um, I found a, pl- uh, like, I like drinking whiskey, um, and I found a distillery upstate New York that, you know, you age whiskey in barrels. Hmm. Um, and they file, they like, developed this process called sonic maturation where they put all their whiskey barrels into a room and they just played like EDM at them. What? Uh, and the bass frequencies would like vibrate the whiskey in the barrels and accelerate the aging process. So like, there's definitely a video of me dancing to Nicki Minaj in a whiskey warehouse to like oh. shake the barrels. You and, know like, what? The most ridiculous Just when you life. think nothing new can happen, <laughs> you play EDM and to whiskey barrels. Yeah, it so was that's, very strange. That's great. Um, so, okay, The Verge's Twitter bio is theverge.com covers life in the future. So, in your perspective, what makes you guys different to other tech blogs? Is it because you are more looking towards the future and how things are going to impact us, you know, on a human level, culture, like what you said earlier? Or what, what makes, yeah, what makes you different? Um... Well, I don't think we're the only ones to do that, first of all. I mean, it's like an aspirational statement. I, you know, like every car magazine covers cars. So I don't think, I think car and driver covers cars. <laughs> right, like, right, like, right, what right. makes you different than automobile? <laughs> um, I, you know, that phrase, gets, we, we talk about that phrase all the time. Um, and like what our like mission really should be. I, to me, the, the thing that makes us different, though, um, is the idea that we, we are going to connect the, these tools to what gets made to the next set of tools. And that's like the virtuous cycle that I want everyone at The Verge to always be thinking about. Mm. So um, bring it back to cameras and phones. Like we developed small image sensors, we put them in phones, and the thing that got revolutionized was dating, right? Like that's just crazy. Like you wouldn't, you would never think that that's how that would go. And like now we have a great podcast called Why'd You Push That Button? And it talks about like, a bunch of things about how young people use uh, social media, mm. but that's because of the tools that got built. It's yeah. because of the speeds and the feeds. Um, and you then see the next generation of um, devices and tools get made that reflect that in the culture, and they lead to another emergent behavior. So mm. we had you on our Circuit Breaker show. It was so fun. And we talked about, um, I think it was Sony cameras, mm. and like, when's Sony gonna put a mic port on the RX100? Is like, that is gonna be in response to market demand from vloggers. Right. It's not from dads with kids right um and that market (laughs) literally didn't exist before Mm -hmm. right and i that cycle to me if the virtue can just stay focused on it Mm -hmm. like we build these tools we build these apps we build whatever that changes the culture and then the next generation of those tools will reflect that culture and push it in a different direction that's when we're absolutely at our best i have a heavy question for you Okay, so can you give us because i haven't stayed up to date with this but you're tweeting about it a lot can you give us an update where is net neutrality at right now? <laughs> and like, yes, I understand it's probably a, a shit show, but it's like I can't keep up with what's happening. And I, because I know you, you know you know about this stuff. Can you bring it to just a consumer level? Like, why should we care about this? Sure. You know, like why why does it matter what's going on? Is it still just all the things are happening? I do I, tweet about it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So. I'll put it in the context of like right now, right this very moment. Yeah. Um, the big platforms are, are kicking Alex Jones off, right? Say what you want about Alex Jones. I think he's 
not very good for society, but whatever, the big platforms are kicking off. Then there's a lot of people are saying you're unfair, you're neutral, you should have them on those platforms, but then the platforms are private companies, and you have this like argument happening at that level of the internet, at the sort of YouTube, Twitter, mm -hmm. Facebook level of the internet. The real question, like ultimately, and the people who are like, you're neutral, you should keep Alex Jones, are the people, mostly Republicans and conservatives, mm -hmm. who fought against net neutrality, mm. which is like a really weird thing. That's interesting. Because the whole point of net neutrality mm -hmm. is that the one layer underneath it, the actual pipes and wireless signals that like connect us, pipes, physical internet, not actually mm. pipes, but the pipes of the internet that connect us together should be neutral so that you can't discriminate between YouTube and Facebook. Mm. Not Alex Jones and someone else, but literally at the service level. You shouldn't be able to pick winners and losers. You shouldn't charge consumers for fastest, faster access to these services. And so the distinction I make is like, I mean, you're a YouTuber. You probably feel like there's not enough competition for YouTube in this world, but like there's competition for YouTube in this world, right? A, at least a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, yeah, and as I will say too, as a YouTuber, I am always looking at what is the next platform? Should I be aware of it? Should I be on it? Because there are so many complaints about the YouTube platform itself. Right. But so, where so are we you're go? part of that market, yeah. and you feel like that market is constrained. But you're always looking, and you feel like maybe something, maybe IGTV. It won't, but maybe IGTV is like yeah. gonna be the thing. Um, <laughs> the problem, I will say this: the problem with IGTV is too many people are talking about it and not using it, and that's when you know when it's not going to be successful. Stories. Everyone hopped on it. Yeah. No That's one right. was talking about strategy. Mm -hmm. Everyone just started using it and consuming it. Anyways, continue. No, so I'm with you. Um, yeah. I'm with you on all counts. Um, <laughs> uh, and I, so like, right, like you are successful. You're smart. You're like participating in this market. You've got one thing, YouTube. You're like, I don't like the deal maybe I'm getting with YouTube. I'm looking for an alternative. Some alternative ex exists. Maybe the deals are better or worse, but alternatives exist. It, uh, who's your cable provider? Like, you're an app provider. I don't have, oh, Verizon. How many I, I don't have cable, but well, you know, like, who's <laughs> I your, have the internet. I have, ca I have cable broadband <laughs> internet, so. Right. Who's your, do you have, how many choices do you have? Choices? I mean, it's the internet choices. YouTube, Twitch, Instagram. No, no, I mean, Those to are, get your connection. Oh, Verizon and uh, Comcast, I think, or not Comcast. Spectrum. What is Spectrum? Spectrum yes. just got kicked they out. They rebranded, right? They got so, kicked out? Yeah. Interesting. Why uh, they get kicked out? Because, I mean, well, okay. I will say that Verizon has always been faster and better and yeah. better customer service. But when you don't have competition, why why right. would you have to? So keep So Spectrum up made a bunch of up? promises about wiring houses in New York and they didn't keep them, so the State of New York kicked them out. So you're down to one, and that's to me that's the problem. Like yeah. everybody, you know, everybody can be really mad at YouTube about what content they allowed and whatever, yeah. and like maybe they'll be able to go somewhere else. If you are mad at your internet provider, you often There's can no, go nowhere else. So that the right. market isn't functional. And if the market isn't functional, the government should say, like, here are the rules. And that's like, in some, like, I think most people understand that. And then you get lobbyists who are like, but if you unregulate us, um, we'll lower prices and all the cars will have 5G. And like, do you do I believe any of that? I do not. Um, right. But the rules are gone under the Trump administration. The sky sort of hasn't fallen in the way that some people think. But it also definitely has in like a variety mm -hmm. of other ways. Um, so like the privacy regulations that Congress passed were like stricken so they can do more and aggressive tracking. Mm -hmm. um, AT&T is buying Time Warner. Like what are they going to do with all the Time Warner assets? They're going to preload some 
whack apps on your phones. Like mm-hmm. that is what they are going to do. They are they are naked about it. <laughs> the HBO Go app is on your phone, yeah. streaming data free, and like you have maybe no choice. And maybe that's like <laughs> what you want. But like I've covered a lot of Android phones, and like no one has ever said, "I wish there were more, more preloaded, preloaded apps, apps. Yeah. from AT and T on my phone." Mm-hmm. And like so, we're 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 slowly moving in that in that direction. Yeah. and see how things go. But yeah, I, sadly, huge, I do tweet. I wish I, like your your Twitter feed is like super fun. <laughs> I keep it fun, you know. Yeah. But also, I feel like that's my brand, or that's <laughs> that's also just me, <laughs> that was right? Such a horrible brand. That <laughs> no, was the no, roughest no. burn of all time. Yeah, no, my but brand you, is fun you and creativity. Ex- you know, you are the editor-in-chief of The Verge. <laughs> you need to keep us informed. And so I, you know, I follow people like you to stay informed in certain aspects of the internet and the world, so there is a lot of value to that, you know? I don't think people are... You're coming are, out of this hole, but you're not all the way out of it yet. <laughs> I don't think people are following me um, for me to comment on what I think about like yeah. Trump or all of that stuff, and you I know, think where, where that stuff came from for us was yeah. um, we realized that like we were basically answering the question of like why does my phone suck? Hmm. It was like around the time of the iPhone three G, and like people's calls kept dropping, and we could just like we could keep going down the rabbit hole. Like you're, it's mm-hmm. not because AT and T's lazy. It's like there's like a frequency au- or a spectrum auction coming up, and like there are frequencies that work better than other frequencies. Oh man, that's so interesting. Oh, the next step of that is like. There's a building in Washington with a bunch of like people in gray suits who like argue about how spectrum auctions should, should work, and like people wanted to know about that, and you just keep falling down the rabbit hole. And yeah. really, the only question you're asking um, is why doesn't my phone work as well as I want it to? Mm-hmm. And the answer is often extraordinarily boring. But if you can connect it to that, that like real consumer experience, mm-hmm. um, it turns out lots of people want to read it. Yeah, it's huge. So now moving on to you. Oh, no. Beyond the verge. Now so we kind of <laughs> spectrum policy. Yes. Um, so we kind of, you know, we talked about how it started and stuff. But before the verge, before Engadget, what were you doing? Did you study law in college? Because um, when I so when I looked up your name, you uh-huh. had a little like uh, Wikipedia thing, it's like uh, tech journalist and lawyer. And I was like, interesting. Yeah. I was a horrible lawyer, but I was a lawyer. <laughs> okay. I was a really bad lawyer. Um, God, I'm such. I'm gonna tell this story. I'm such a nerd. So I was in college. Um, I don't know what I was doing there, but I was in college at the University of Chicago. And Napster came out. This makes me seem really old. Napster. Napster came out Napster. when I was in college. Um, and I wrote fiery letters to the dean of students, like because f- they blocked it. Like wow. my school blocked Napster. And I wrote like fiery letters to the dean of students, being like, "You're abridging our First Amendment rights, and you have no." And I was like, "I'm gonna be a lawyer." Like, here it is. Like, nobody understands technology. So you have Napster to thank. It's like 100% Napster. Um, So I went off to law school. I went to the University of Wisconsin for law, and I was a mediocre law student. Um, Did it have anything to do with the entertainment and music industry, or was it just kind of general law? I mean, all law school is general law. That's kind of the way it goes. Um, I did. I focused a lot on technology and copyright. I wrote a law review article, which is like a very formal, boring way of writing about uh, the use of open source software in China. It's like I, I did it. I mm-hmm. went to law school. Yeah. Um, so I came out of law school. Uh, I moved back to Chicago. Passed the bar exam. It's like a. That's all. Hey, and you're a that's lawyer. A thing. I, yeah. That's I, that's all you. It's a real mean. racket, and then and then, and then they charge you three hundred dollars a year to continue saying you're a lawyer for the rest wow. of your life. It's true. Do you, um, do you still pay? I pay the money. I love that. It's real bad. Um, 
Every lawyer will tell you it's a real racket. But honestly, though, that's pretty sick that yeah. you can be like, I'm a lawyer. Um, don't hire me. Please don't. My wife is an actual functional lawyer in the city of New York. Amazing. If you are, uh, if you Looking need a lawyer, a lawyer. Like, call her. She's great. Oh my we know gosh, lots of other you lawyers. guys are just, must be so smart. Your little kiddo is going to be a genius. I mean, she rolled over yesterday, so I think we're well on our way. She's only four months old. I no, mean, no hey. Anyway. That's um, huge. So... Um, I went to work for a little law firm in Chicago called Saper Law, Dahlia Saper. Uh, she's actually, that firm has grown and grown and grown. If you're in Chicago, you need uh, an IP attorney called Dahlia. But, um, and I worked for her and I just like wasn't very, I, just, I was not into it, right? Mm-hmm. I wasn't good at it because I'm like bad at it. I wasn't good at it because it just became very clear to me. Uh, like one of Dahlia's businesses when I joined it was she was representing um, kids who had gotten sued for using Kazaa at DePaul. Um, and we just like settled all those cases for. Wait, 5, what is Kazaa? Kazaa was an alternative to Napster. Interesting. So rec- the RA was suing people for file sharing, um, and so her that was the tail end of, of a thing that she had been doing when I joined. Wow. It was just, like really depressing, um, and then I would meet all of her clients who are like brilliant, yeah. um, and like try to help them out, and like I was like I'm just doing paperwork for people mm-hmm. who are doing what I want to do, um, and then Engadget posted some article that got the copyright law really wrong, and they put out a call for writers, and I wrote them a scathing letter. I was like, you were always getting this wrong. I can help you get it right. Wow. Um, so they hired me at $12 a post, uh, and I used to stand in my shower every morning and count, like do the math, like how many posts do I have to write today? I did not be a lawyer anymore. Wow. Um, and they, and how much it was, was that? Well, they eventually gave me a raise to $14 a post, uh, and then the, I, I cracked the math at like 14 posts a day, um, which I think any. How many words would these posts be? Around 200. Okay. I mean, we, I was like really fast at the end. It was like wow. wild. And we were doing all the other stuff in the And I think any blogger of that era, like, we all look at it like really fondly. Like, remember when we all used to do like 14 posts a day and there was like, we didn't have any time to manage anything. And like, literally, there was no workplace conflict <laughs> because everyone was just everyone too busy down. writing. Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of people from that era of vlogging look back upon that font because it was what we were all doing wow. uh, we were in this race and so like matt buchanan would like post his article like 10 minutes before me and be like ah, and like racing <laughs> um so that was that I and mean, that's that arc and i remember the decision equipping a lawyer um as like this like agonizing long like who mm. will i become and i was my wife who was my girlfriend at the time was like dude it took you like five minutes like you, you knew it the whole time. I mean, so were your parents very disappointed in you in the beginning? But now, obviously, I'm sure they get it. But was it kind of like, seriously, dude, you went to school, you became a lawyer. Um, you're not going to be a lawyer anymore. I think my parents are still deeply confused about what I what is I do here. Um, <laughs> they love it when I'm on the TV. I was on CNBC okay. today, like 500 oh. texts. Um, well, there you go. Yeah, that's the real. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, but that day when I was like, I'm done being a lawyer. I don't think I ever told them I was making twelve dollars. So I think I think I just rounded up to a number. I was like, "Yeah, it's fine." It's like, fine. I was like, okay. it's, I was like "Great, it's fine." Um, so yeah, I think that was the thing. And then oh. when AOL moved me to New York, I think is when they realized like they had no hope. Although my really? mom, like, I have a good Indian mom, and she'll be like, don't, "And they're both doctors," and she's like, yeah. "Don't you ever think about being a doctor?" Like now, all the time. <laughs> oh, where do they live? Is uh, it? Wisconsin. I grew up in Wisconsin. Okay, so I mean, do they understand the? Like the fact, like what I'm looking at, we're in downtown Manhattan, all these huge buildings. Like, do they get, do they, I don't know, because it's cool. It's get, cool what you, like, I mean, how do you like, explain this like, to them, I guess? Yeah, they've I'm, probably been here. Yeah, they've been here tons yeah, yeah, of yeah, like, yeah. They're both doctors. My mom has an MBA. Like, they're yeah. like, they're, they're worldly, but like, 
maybe it's just like an Indian parents thing when they're doctors. Every now and again, yeah. they're like, don't you think you should be a doctor? Um, like, and now I think <laughs> it might be a joke, but you never know. Um, yeah. No, they get it. I think that what they don't, uh, what nobody gets. I, 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 like my parents are, are brilliant, so I don't want to, I don't want to go that way. Mm-hmm. I, what I think nobody understands yet is how what you're doing, how what we're doing at The Verge, what this company Vox Media is doing, all the digital media companies, how that goes from being the new thing to the thing, hmm. right? And I, I, that is, I mean, so you talked about Marquez earlier. Marquez is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he is one of the smartest reviewers out there. I think he's personally a great guy. Every time I get to talk to him, I just like, wow, that, awesome. yeah, I'm like, wow, that kid's impressive. Yeah. Um, I'm on your podcast because I think you're great. Like, the thing you're making is like really hard. Like, you have mm-hmm. to do all of the work, mm-hmm. right? And that's not necessarily scalable. Right. right. Like, yeah. Well, that's what I'm butting heads with right now. That's why I'm excited about the podcast. Cause I'm like, I can have someone else edit this. This is great. Yeah. I'm not worried about it being my voice, like in videos. So. Right. So that's so like that's got to grow up. Mm-hmm. Mark has hired some people. He's going to grow up. The Verge. We've hired a lot of people, mm-hmm. and like we're growing up. But like, I still like you know Wired has that I don't have. They have a print magazine cover. Mm. People like a print magazine cover. Like CEOs want to be on that cover, right? Right, um, right. And so, like, I think at every stage of this kind of new stuff that we're building, there is sort of the idea that there's there's like the real version, mm-hmm. right? And I yeah. think that's like and it's the, like okay, while they make their print magazine covers, you're going to be making more like million views YouTube videos, you know? And it's right, like and you got to, and, and so the audience has to come with you on that, right? Right. right? The, uh, the audience has to like know, like mm-hmm. I would rather be on this YouTube video that has a million views. Than on the print cover yeah. of the magazine. And I think you're going to see that as the audience gets younger. I mean, truthfully, I would love to collab with a big YouTuber instead of like a big magazine. Of course, oh, if you're going to be on the cover or whatever, but it's, I don't know, I think, you know, everyone wants to be a vlogger. All yeah. these young kids want to be vloggers. Yeah, and it's, it's fun that we're bloggers. talking about blogging because if you're 14 out there listening to this, um, blogging was vlogging. But with words, and you know, oh my it's God. like, <laughs> my God, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. I got. What if I? What if I just die right here? <laughs> I'm telling you, times are changing. You know, but that's that's why I, I you know, I love the Verge because you guys are doing all the things. But I want to talk your personal tech. Oh, so we're still you, we're still on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried I, to I swing thought, us out no, in this man, like big. No man, I'm bringing idea. it back. Bringing it back. Yeah. What is your personal go-to like laptop? Like, what's your work workhorse? Yeah. Do you have a desktop? Do you have a laptop? And then what is your phone of choice? Um, so on the computer side, I've mm-hmm. decided that I uh, will, I've pitched a tent in 2015, and I will not leave it until Tim Cook personally comes and takes away my USB ports. Mm. So my computer mm-hmm. at work here. Rest in peace. First cast listeners. Um, no, <laughs> my fan on my computer turns <laughs> So I have a 15-inch MacBook Pro with a GPU. Mm-hmm. It's Core i7. I actually mm-hmm. stole it. Our video production teams were, were rotating in new laptops. Mm. I was like, is that You're one like, of that one I those 2015? I, I took it. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, no matter what anyone says, you never get used to the dongle life. Yeah. You never do. Um, and yeah. I, I'm, try, I'm trying my hardest to never be part of it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just stay here in 2015 mm-hmm. until. Wow, like, this is USB-C scandalous that the fact that the you're using a 2015 laptop. They, I mean, look, How are you supposed to tell us the future <laughs> when you're on that 2015 laptop, I'm looking man. at the future, and it looks like 500 dongles. <laughs> that's true. That's, uh, that's and then true. I have an iMac at home, which is uh, wonderful. I'm on this iPhone 10 right now. Um, I just had a kid. 
And Congrats. the last thing, and the once you have a kid, the pull into iOS is so insane. Mm. Um, airdrop, like yeah. So my wife the... and I are always airdropping photos back yeah. and forth. Um, I don't have to install an app on my family's phones to like share photos. I can just like share them in iCloud and they like, show up. Right. Um, and they're it's just there. It's, it's the same app they use for the regular photos. So like mm-hmm. they all see it. Um, and then iMessage. So it's just like it's the second it happens, um, it's just like, all right, you're just on iOS now. Your bubbles are gonna be blue. Uh, there although you I go. just like installed Android P on my Pixel two last night. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, again, if you're a Verge listener, you know this. Like, I buy the new Pixel on the Verge like on the dot every year, and like <laughs> sit there and be like, I'm gonna switch this year. And like, I was like, no, you're no, you're not. No, like, you're not. Um, but I will say this: um, the other thing that having a kid makes you really realize is. Um, uh, phone cameras suck. Really? Yeah, they're like you. I think we all take a lot of photos. You always Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's great, yeah. but like babies every, are always moving. Babies and... are moving, but like also just like the resolution of a phone camera. Like mm-hmm. once, once like the person is small, um, <laughs> it's like a thing. So then you're like Less trying to. Pixels so then you're trying to, to like crop in to like get a smaller right. person in the right frame. Right, right. And you're like, oh, this. I'm just like blue past its like resolution limit. Right. So I've been using my RX100 like yeah. constantly. Yeah. Um, I bought I, a big Nikon D7500 when oh. I was like, I'm back. Oh, and then wow. I pulled a my Nikon. I'm a Nikon. Okay, person. guys, do you guys know what a oh, Nikon God. is? <laughs> I like keep owning myself on the show. It's the worst. I'm yeah. sorry. I always Bloggers give Nikon. use Nikons. <laughs> I always give Nikon crap. Like yeah. honestly, it's for no reason. It's just the fact that I guess I'm more video on the video side. Yeah. So naturally, I went to Canon and then I went to Sony, and so I still keep up with that world. But I'll see a Nikon announcement, and I'm like. Yeah. Really, guys? Really? But they're contrasty, they're punchy, the pictures are beautiful, but if you are that multi-creative type that needs to do kind of all of the above, Nikon is definitely not the camera for you. This is where I wanted the show to go. Off of me (laughs) and onto you roasting Nikon. This is great. Boo, Nikon. (laughs) Do you like the RX100? I do. I've been using it. I just have the Mark IV. Should I get the 6? Should I upgrade? I mean... Okay, I don't think your baby is going to go far enough from you that you need the 200 millimeters, <laughs> let's be honest. Um, the only reason why I recommend the 6 to people is if they have maybe some travel coming up mm-hmm. and they, you know, maybe they want to travel light and they don't want to bring extra lenses and stuff. The RX100, I think there's a misunderstanding where people get upset when a company fits all this crazy technology into a smaller form factor, but then they get upset about the price. But mm-hmm. like actually fitting all like fitting a twenty-four to two hundred millimeter lens is insane if you yeah. think about it in that tiny form factor. So to me it makes sense that it's so expensive. But people see a point and shoot and they they want a price below a thousand. So because it is twelve hundred dollars I definitely say only if you need like one camera that does it all, and maybe you're traveling, you need that extra reach because the yeah. 200 millimeter is really worth it. Um, but now that the five has dropped the price, uh, the RX 105 has better autofocus, oh, much better like face detection. Um, so you know you got that baby, maybe you're vlogging, he, up, like I'm moving everywhere. That's what's gonna happen. This is <laughs> how have, this always goes. I have for me. so many RX 100s. <laughs> it's insane. Okay, so we took to Twitter. Uh-uh. And yeah, we're gonna end this on like, like the, a. And now your nightmare begins. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter, I love Twitter so much. I know it can be like the worst sometimes, mm-hmm. but um, so people have some good questions and also things that I'm confused about that maybe you can clear up. So sure. the first one I think is just very good 
very good question. Um, Cesario Country. Um, yeah, he asked, what is your <laughs> advice? I can't pronounce his name. I'm sorry. You're good, Cesario. <laughs> what is your advice for young reporters entering the journalism uh, industry? And I was kind of like, mm-hmm. this question was refreshing because I feel like it's always, how do I be a YouTuber? Okay, there's people out there that want to do proper journalism what would your advice be it's 2018 and this kid wants to be a journalist um i have two pieces of advice they're gonna they're they're so simple and basic um one is learn how to ask people questions Mm -hmm. um it's like the heart of it and asking hard questions that you would never uh i mean like don't like roll up to your friends and ask them hard questions like go do some reporting and like um that skill like being able to do the reporting being able to talk to the CEO and be like, why is your company failing, mm-hmm. right? And like, or trying to trying to get at a question that other people aren't asking is actually really hard. It like, it's like emotionally hard. And I don't mean to say that like, mm-hmm. journalists are the greatest. I mean like literally you get shy and anxious mm, yeah. and if you can't overcome that, um, then you're never gonna be like, ask the question and then you're never gonna be the reporter. Um, so that's like, just number one is like, if you can go get a scoop, if you can like see something other people haven't seen, and like go find the people and ask them questions, um, you will go far. Like you will just that's good. Go down, go down the line. Um, the second one is like the polar opposite of that, um, and it's the one that you can do without having to like accost your friends and ask them their personal secrets, um, which is you just have to write your face off. Mm-hmm. Um, and like fourteen posts a day is like probably not unworkable, flatly probably illegal now for me to like sign a contract with somebody. Um, but it made me write constantly. Mm-hmm. And when you write that much, I'm sure it's the same for you, you make so many videos, you see your own ticks, you see your own mm-hmm. patterns, you see your own cliches, you are forced to confront what it is your brain will produce if you don't change. Um, and then once you have the ability to just like write 500 words that make sense in an order, uh, you can do anything, right? You can, you can go in any direction you yeah. want. And I think something that, that's actually something I've been practicing as well is writing clearly and to the point because I think a lot of people underestimate the importance of writing so I hated English Mm -hmm. absolutely hated it but I'm a creative person I'll make videos for the rest of my life I don't need English but there's so much writing involved like hate to break it to you but you're writing (laughs) treatments you're writing um, so many different things like for brand approvals and you need to know how to communicate uh, ideas very clearly and well and I think that that is so huge and I think it's so powerful to be able to write in a um, I was just reading this book Frenemies by Ken Aletto which is the digital ad industry and like honestly you should only read it it's a great book and he's he's a legendary reporter but it, unless you're interested in how ads work on the internet like you shouldn't read that's it that's interesting but, um, uh, but there's a line in there from one of the ad agency execs that's like the life of a creative is trying to explain an imaginative idea to people with no vision, hmm. right? And like, if you cannot communicate, if you That's cannot just like write yeah. something down and have other people who are maybe not as creative as you get what you're saying, like you're just gonna run into roadblock after roadblock. Mm-hmm. That's good, that's good. Good advice. Okay, Casey Newton oh God. chimed in. <laughs> Casey <laughs> is boy. from The Verge as well, the homie. Would love to hear the origin story of the viral hashtag that Neelai created, Never Enough Toast. My dude's trolling me. Is that real, or is he just trolling it up? Okay, so this is how <laughs> bad I am at social media. 
This is so bad. So there is a hashtag, Never Enough Toast. Okay. You can go to Instagram. I love bread, so I like it's, where this is going. Uh, so like my wife and I would go to restaurants, mm -hmm. and we would always order the cheese plate or a dip or the artichoke dip yeah. or whatever, uh, and we'd always get like a huge thing of like cheese or like a huge thing of dip, and then like four pieces of toast. <laughs> and we're like, why? And so like we're always asking for toast. So I started for a buddy here, just like Instagramming. This is like before Instagram, before stories. Yeah, so yeah. So Instagram felt less important. Curated. Yeah, yeah. Right. So like my Instagram forever was just like pictures of dinner, and oh it would be like my. we want more bread. It, no, and it was like huge cheese plate, three toasts, hashtag never enough toast. And all my friends were like, "This is the funniest. We love it." I was like, "Yeah, use the hashtag." And instead. I don't like. I don't understand how this happened. I became the toast police, so oh. they would just text me photos that said "never enough toast." And like to this day, like like a rando in Australia is like "never enough toast," and I'm like, "Why are you? Tell the oh, world it's not a movement." Gosh. Like I'm not gonna call this well, restaurant. Thank you so much for your work. Never enough. Just use the yes. use the use the hashtag. <laughs> That is, Casey, thank you so much for that question. It went so wrong. Oh, my God. Okay, two more questions. Yeah. What is the story behind the handle Reckless on Twitter? You are at Reckless. Um, There's not. I wish there was a good story there. Like, Just, it's I a good, clean word. I joined Twitter when it started, and people mm -hmm. weren't using their real names. There's a really kick-ass record store in Chicago called Reckless Records. Reckless. That's it. Oh, man. So uh, many people are going to be let down by that. you got to make some epic story. Um, you know, like, my favorite or least favorite kind of like insult is is like when when the verge does something or I do something they're like you are reckless and it's like <laughs> it's just like Twitter like it's not it's no it's not connection like telling to your to like, like past like if you're trying to trying to own someone using their Twitter handle like it that means you got nothing so funny yeah. oh my gosh okay well there you go it's revealed last question from I'm Patrick T what's the number one thing if any that's holding the tech online industry back is there too much of the same, for example? Is everyone playing it safe? The number one thing. Um, do you want like a crazy philosophy answer, or do you just want like a we need more smart speakers answer? I, <laughs> what's your what's your crazy philosophy answer? Um, so like the big thing that happened. Um, this is like story of the verge, right? Uh, the phones came out, and everything converged into a phone. Mm -hmm. So there's not a market for cool little tape recorders anymore. There's not a market for MP3 players. There's not a market for mid-range point-and-shoot cameras, right? Like, so much of the innovation that was being pushed out into other categories, your phone can do a reasonably good job of all of those things. So I think what you're seeing is, like, this deep concentration in the phone. There's only so many phone winners. Mm -hmm. So, like, really the biggest camera news every year is, like, whatever Apple does to the iPhone camera. Right. Is that, like, great? Does that, like, make you excited? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but then you see these other pockets where – and so a lot of that innovation moved out of, like, hardware and, like, new kinds of hardware into software. So, like, now it's, like, apps and what, what are the apps going to do and how are they going to use this hardware differently? And I think that led to a real big lull. And a lot of the tech journalists I talked to um, – Walt mm -hmm. Mossberg, he's like the most legendary tech journalist of all time. He, on the podcast that I hosted with him, he often referred to the lull, right? Mm -hmm. Everything had converged into the phone. And the next set of really exciting things hadn't quite happened yet. I think we're coming out of that. Uh, a joke I have with Joanna Stern of the Journal is that I always yell gadgets are back at every CES. And she's like, no, they're not. Um, <laughs> but I think they are. And I, I think that 
basically when you know we had desktop PCs, we would like have all these like crazy things around our PCs, and we'd plug them into a PC with a USB cable, mm-hmm. and like that was great. And now instead of that, we have a phone that's basically our computer, and we buy something else, and it connects over a cloud service to your phone, and that's the new USB cable. And you're seeing this explosion of devices around that. Um, the second you add a cloud service, though, there's like huge privacy problems. Now you have a user account. You're sending data through the internet. Mm-hmm. I think that it's that. We haven't like quite figured that out. We haven't quite figured out that phones are basically just computers and what we need is like this range of devices everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I, once, once the sort of convergence moment ends, and I, I really do think it, it's coming to a close mm-hmm. where everything is going to get sucked up. And you're seeing, this is my smart speakers thing, it's like you're seeing the entire smartphone supply chain get leveraged to make radically different kinds of devices that are way cheaper because there are enough processors in the world. Um, you're seeing different kinds of experiences show up, and I think that that stuff will be the more interesting stuff. That's good stuff. And I think a lot, like, what will help that, too, is I think we're reaching a point with smartphones where it's like, okay, what more can you really do? Yes, I would love to have 4K at 120 frames per second, but at the same time, that's my small, tiny phone sensor, and how great can that really be? So um, I'm super excited for the next round of smartphones. It's really great to have you on the podcast around the time that, oh my gosh, Samsung is about to release a new phone. (laughs) September is around the corner, so what is Apple going to release? So I'm looking forward to you guys covering that stuff, and thank you so much for being on the podcast. So other than at Reckless on Twitter, Twitter, where can do you have an Instagram? Obviously, theverge.com. Yeah, but if you don't want that, to, you don't want my Instagram unless you want baby <laughs> photos, man. Like it's Go good. Find I will him say on this. Instagram. My uh, <laughs> my social media. People were like, your Instagram engagement's way up since the baby came. There you go. Uh, I mean, that's the trick for engagement. Babies. Apparently, uh, uh, Vox.com just wrote a story about SpawnCon. S P A W S. SpawnCon. I ba- baby baby monetization. Amazing. Got to get into it. You, you um, have to. I'm not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> find me on Twitter. That's the best place. You want to see photos of Max? She's on. She's on my Insta. Um, but really, find us on The Verge. That's, the, that's the best place for us. Love it, love it. Make sure, guys, to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this. Thank you so much for tuning in. A new Creative Exchange every single Monday. And, yeah, thanks for so much. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Until really next fun. time, guys, stay PG. Stay PG. That's the tagline? Stay peachy. Well, I definitely dropped an F-bomb. Peachy. Oh, peachy. <laughs> Honestly, I say it I say it so much that it's become one word. S- let me redo that. Stay peachy. There you go. Sarah Dietschy rhymes with peachy. You did a cute catchphrase. I thought you said stay PG. I was like, shit. You should have told me that at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs>